Amen. So uh, Psalm 98 is where we're picking up. Verse 1 says, A psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. So uh, looking at uh, where it says, sing to the Lord a new song, uh, that new literally means fresh or new in quality. Uh, so uh, it's uh, really what we could look at would be um, the, singing to the Lord a, a, a song with a fresh uh, a fresh new look uh, upon it. So it could be a song uh, that we uh, have sang uh, to the Lord uh, for years. But uh, when we look at that word in the meaning of it, fresh or new in quality, um, you know, it can be one uh, that we uh, we have uh, sang together and, um, and or, or uh, by ourselves, but uh, maybe with a deeper or new appreciation. You ever been there before? Uh, maybe where you've read something and you're like, how have I read that 158 times and I didn't get it until now, right? When, when those things happen in our lives, uh, you know, when we can understand, wait a minute, I've never, you know, the Lord opens our eyes to those things. It's that type of, wow, this, this is really ministering to me uh, uh, in, a, in a different way. So, oh, sing to the Lord a new song can be a new, a brand new song, but, but literally what it's saying here is fresh or new in quality. Um, and it, that might be a result of us knowing the Lord better, or we better understand uh, the marvelous word says, for he has done marvelous things. We have a better understanding of the things that he has done overall and the things that he's done in our lives. Uh, so that may bring us to that point where we're going to sing and we're, we're going to praise him, or we better understand his power to save. Uh, that that uh, that there's something that the Lord has revealed to us that is going to make us song, sing that new song with a fresh new look, uh, a fresh new understanding of who He is and what He has done. So that literally that word is is speaking of fresh or new in quality. So uh, where it says sing to Him a new song, could it be that we sing to Him a new song? Sure, um, you know th that that's that's true. Also, uh, you know I, I think we when we find new songs that bless us, we're going to do that also. But when you look at the context and what we're looking at, it's with a, a fresh new uh, look where he's, he's revealed something to us that makes um, it's, it's taking on taking on a newer or stronger meaning. Uh, so and then it says his right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Now, uh, in uh, in the biblical sense, the right hand is that strength. It's it's representative of God's strength. So what it's saying is, by God's strength, it uh, he has gained victory. Now, um, if you consider uh, the things that uh, the spiritual, when we can think of the spiritual victories that are described in the scriptures. Uh, that the only explanation is is God doing the work. Consider when Elisha was sleeping and his his uh, his servant went out to split wood and like, hey, we're surrounded by our enemies. And and uh, Elisha just prays, Lord, would you please open his eyes? And and in Elisha's uh, uh, servants, uh, uh, his spiritual eyes are open, and he sees that they're surrounded by a a multitude of of angels all around them the enemy thinks hey we've got elisha we, you know we want to take him out because he's the one that's the threat to the king because the, you know he was the one that could tell uh what was going on with the king so the king thought that there was a spy within uh his his syrian army uh but it was really uh elisha 
that was hearing from the Lord. And, uh, you know, when uh, that all happened, they realized, wait a minute, we're not outnumbered. They're outnumbered. And when, when their perspective changed, and excuse me, they had a heavenly perspective. We talked about that this morning. Then things uh, we can understand things better. They were able to see the power of God at work that wasn't uh, materially uh, able uh, to be seen, but spiritually able to be seen. Right? Consider the Assyrian army, where the Lord wiped out 185,000 of them with one angel in in a night. Right? So just just think of those things that the Lord is is uh, where it says that His right uh, hand and His holy arm have gained Him uh, the victory. Uh, it's we should be uh, attributing victory to the Lord, um, and uh, it's it's an important thing for us to realize, and we see it in the scripture. Remember Gideon, uh, you know he had the you know all these guys with him, uh, and and the Lord was saying, well you you have way way too many, and based on how they were drinking the water out of the brook was was how it was selected uh, was who was going to be there. You know the guys that weren't looking up. And they were, you know, lapping the water out of uh, the, you know, you're slurping the water, whatever you want to, you know, consider it out of the brook or taking it in their hand, looking up, being ready. Uh, it got whittled down to 300 people to go take on an army. You know, the Lord's saying, no, 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 you have too many. No, you still have too many. And, and because God wants the glory for the victory, because what happens when we get the glory for victory? I can't get my head through the door after that. Right. You know, the Lord is keeping us at a point. Of humility and where we understand where the true strength uh, and uh, where victory lies is not in our power. It's in the Lord's power. You know, because if there's anybody who can take credit uh, because of our sinful nature, we're going to do it. Uh, but God likes to show himself strong. And uh, as he does, he gets the glory uh, for the victories that uh, that uh, that he has and uh, overall and that he has in our lives. So God doesn't need us. Right. You know, consider Consider the, how he overcame the Egyptian army, right? Uh, after showing all these plagues, those ten uh, awful plagues, you know, flies, frogs, uh, you know, all these things that are just lice, you know, all those things that we just don't want to deal with, right? Uh, and, and then the, ultimately the firstborn all being killed, right? And and Moses leads them all out, and then here comes the Egyptian army behind him, and the Lord just tells Moses, just spread out your arms and, and uh, with, your, with your staff and, and the Red Sea parts. It's not because Moses you know, went to magic class and learned how to do that, right? It's the power of the Lord. And, and uh, Israel was able to walk through on, on dry land. And when they turned around, they saw the most mighty army in the world at the time being swallowed up by the Red Sea because you know those walls that were standing up uh, on their side, the Lord had them come in. That there's only one to get glory for that, and that's that's the Lord uh, Himself. So uh, you know, by He has done marvelous things. You know, His right hand and His holy arm have gained Him the victory. Uh, you know, as we meditate on that, we're going to want to sing Him a new song. We're, we we just sang these songs of of you know who God is and how much He loves us and what He's done for us, right? So sometimes we just have a fresh new look. Um, or, or God's done an amazing thing. So uh, that's verse one. So uh, verse two, uh, the Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness 
he has revealed in the sight of the nations. So this was speaking of uh, you know winning that war and battle, right? Uh, so uh, coming right off of that, you know, he has also in a much uh, more meaningful way eternally done these things, uh, winning these things for us. And, and what we see here is he has made known his salvation. Uh, that, that we can find salvation in the Lord. Uh, and he has made known his righteousness. And those two things come together, don't they? Uh, in our salvation, righteousness has to exist there. Uh, we don't have the righteousness. We're talking about that in our Sunday morning study, right? That There, there was no way for us uh, to be righteous. At the beginning, I think it's Romans 8, 4, is describing that's why Jesus had to come to defeat sin, right? Uh, and then we see there's none righteous, no, not one. And, uh, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We see that, that, that gloom and doom picture of sin and how it reigns over us. But then you introduce Christ's righteousness that's available to us uh, through grace, right? Uh, have you ever heard the, the acronym God's Righteousness at Christ's Expense, G-A-R-C-E? Uh, when we consider that, when, when, when we can understand that we, we have uh, taken on the righteousness of God through faith in Christ, uh, though that's, if that doesn't blow our minds, right? Because look at how Romans 8.1 starts. Therefore, there is now no condemnation uh, to those who stand in Christ Jesus, right? Who, who believe in Jesus. Uh, there are no, uh, who are, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember it. It's Sunday night, right? Yeah, there, yeah. Um, who, yeah, so uh, you guys know what I mean. So, uh, so when we consider salvation and righteousness, those two things go together, and neither of them uh, were things that we could do ourselves. We weren't righteous, and we can't save ourselves, and God does them both. So where it says the Lord has made known his salvation. It's not like this, it's this great mystery thrown aside, right? The mystery of the scriptures was, was salvation waiting in Jesus Christ, and that mystery has been revealed. And, uh, and we see here is made known his salvation, that, that the word would be made known. Remember, the Great Commission itself, uh, you know, uh, Pete Gorzak, when he shared with us this morning uh, regarding Operation Christmas Child, the, the greatest commission he's ever heard as he was an army aviator. He's like, you know, the greatest order I ever heard was the order that, that Jesus Christ gave us in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? Back, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Making disciples of them. You know, so, so when we consider uh, the Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness. He has revealed in the sight of the nations, you know that this it's it's uh, it, when we look at the Great Commission, we're told to go out and and tell. If you're worried about a nation that hasn't heard, guess who might be the next you know uh, 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 missionary to that nation? You know, guess if, if there's a burden on the heart of you know what Croatia's never heard or whatever, and uh, God's laying out on your heart, he buckle up because he might be getting ready to send you. You know, we don't know, you know, if there's a burden for us to go share the gospel amongst people. It may not be over there. It may be to a group, right? Uh, it may be a, a group of people that need to hear the gospel. Uh, we may be that person to go make it known uh, in, you know, when when you consider uh, as, as the scripture was, was spreading in Jerusalem and Samaria uh, and in uh, Judea, and then it would go, uh, you know, spread throughout the region and then throughout the nation and throughout the world, right? It's got to it's got to hit those those areas. So God's going to send them out. 
you know, Jesus uh, had said, pray that the Lord would, would send out uh, harvesters into the field because they're ready. They're ready to be harvested. You know, consider those things. Verse 3, he has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So God doesn't forget his mercy and his, his, his faithfulness. And uh, where it says he has remembered, uh, you know, he, it's, not, it's not like God forgot those things. You know, we're the forgetful ones. We're the neglectful ones, right? Uh, so when it says, oh, Lord, uh, you know, uh, have you forgotten, you know, or, or I, Lord, you know, wake up. And, you know, when we see those things in the scriptures, what they're asking for is God's active attention to be placed upon them. Uh, not that God is sleeping and not that God has forgotten, but they're asking for God's uh, active attention. God, would you, you know, that focus, right? I, I, I know for my kids sometimes if they didn't think I was listening, which I'm scatterbrained, right? Grab my face and pull it right to them. Dad, <laughs> right that uh, when they were babies, when they were little. And now they'll look at me and, and I've shared this with you that uh, they'll say my name, dad, dad, dad. And I'm, I'm still toning it out. And then sometimes they'll look and they'll go, John, and they know that I'm going to respond because I'm hearing my name. You know, so uh, there, there are ways to get uh, the, the attention, right? Because, uh, you know, I can be forgetful. I can, I can lose sight of those things. God doesn't lose sight of those things. But when we see in the Psalms specifically, right, as we're reading through and, and there's the cry out, you know, oh, have you forgotten? He hasn't forgotten. Uh, he, they're just asking for his active attention uh, for, uh, for them to, you know, for the Lord to hear. Uh, it's not that he is, has turned, right? So the Lord keeps his part of any deal that he makes. You know, how many times did we read in the scriptures of the Lord reminding Israel of the covenant that, that was made, right? Uh, so, so when we consider uh, and when we can look at Israel, if we're looking at, at Israel, uh, you know, and, and we can see Israel almost like we're looking into a mirror. Have I kept, the, you know, the deal with God? Do I keep his word? Do I follow the Lord or do I follow my sinful flesh and my sinful desires, right? So uh, we can be the ones that, that unfortunately, that, uh, that break the covenant. He's the one uh, that, that will keep uh, and remember his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel, right? And, and we understand that that will also apply to us uh, as uh, we are called by his name. You know, all the ends of the earth, it says, have seen the salvation of our God. You know, he's the one that the nations uh, would hear about, you know, his marvelous works as we uh, as we were reading earlier in verse one. We should praise God uh, for his redemption, his righteousness, his mercy and his faithfulness. When you combine these three verses, we see these things as uh, reasons that God should be praised. Right. Uh, his redemption, righteousness, mercy, and faithfulness. All these things we should be praising him for. As we do it, as we go about our lives, if that is uh, you know, the message that's coming from our lives by how we live our lives and by what we say. Um, I remember Will, oh goodness, that had to be you know, 20 years ago or whatever, um, that I heard him say 15, 20 years ago um, that, that when he would share up here, there was a saying that, that, and I understand what they're saying, where it says, uh, you know, preach always and if necessary, use words. Uh, and I understand what they're saying is, hey, your life should be preaching and praising God wherever you go and whatever you're doing. And that should spread right throughout, you know, our regions and towns and, and uh, workplaces, even throughout the world. Right. 
But if, if we're if we're living our lives without actually speaking the gospel, because what does the scripture say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God should be you know, what we use most to minister. Our actions should mimic what we're saying. But we shouldn't say, well, I was kind of too afraid, so I just figured I'd do an act of love. An act of love is great. But we, if we're not bold enough to share the gospel with it, guys, it can be this easy. Hey, I don't know if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't know if you have a relationship with him. I don't know if you know who God is and the true God. And Just something simple like that. Hey, you know what? Uh, I, I'm a Christian, I, you know, I serve Christ, and I believe that God put it on my heart to do this, uh, just to share his love for you. Sometimes it's that. That's it. And, and if that's how bold you can be, just the more we share that, the more comfortable we're going to be, be sharing that, right? But, you know, if we're just doing something good and saying, hey, you know, uh, pay it forward, that's what the world is saying, right? That Anybody can say that, right? Hey, you know what? I'm just paying it forward because that that can uh, be uh, interpreted as some sort of karma, right? What 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 goes out is going to come back, and you know it's going to go forward. Is it great to do things? Yes. Is it good to you know pay for somebody's meal that's you know behind you in the line or what? Well, yes, those are good things. But if we have the opportunity to share, company those uh, you know accompany those two together, marry them together, and say, uh, you know, I'm just doing this to share God's. He he laid it on my heart to tell you that God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. If you don't know that already, I don't know if you know, it can be that simple. And if they say, you know, well, you know, blah, 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 or, or they don't want to hear it. Well, give me back my nuggets or whatever. Right. You know, we, you know, we, we, you know, obviously we're probably not going to do that or they might just chuck them across the room. I don't know, but you know, we, we have to understand that, you know, uh, we, they're, uh, don't be afraid to share the name of, of Christ. Right. We could say God, and and um, God can mean a lot to a lot of different people, right? Uh, there there are programs that say, right? They'll they'll say, um, uh, well, you can pray to a God of your own understanding, and that could be anything. And and I've heard examples given of, you know, uh, Shane has told me uh, that that he's been in meetings where they've said, oh, my my higher power is my motorcycle. You have to start your higher power. Right, and you have to feed your higher power, gas. Right, and I, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it like that just to chop somebody off at the knees verbally or whatever. But I would probably reason with them and go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You are that thing does as you tell it to do. Right, that that that's how things work. You're riding a bicycle. That bike tells you how. You know, you've heard of operator error, right? You know, if I yank on that front brake, guess where I'm going. I'm going where I led myself, right? If I hit the rear brake and I'm going to, right? But if I hit those two together, the bike is going to do what I tell it to, as long as everything's, you know, good and, and uh, you know, you've kept up on proper maintenance and those things. The bike is going to tell you. So if I'm calling that my higher power, I'm literally controlling my own higher power. You see how foolish that is. That thing can't do anything for me unless I make it do it. You know, uh, we can look at it and go, okay, you know, I really want to get on my bike. Guess who's got a kickstarted or hit the button? We, that, that is not a higher power. You, you are more powerful than that thing. So consider, you know, when, how did I even get onto this? I don't know. But, uh, you know, consider uh, who God is and, and how great our God is. You know, and, and that he is the one that created us. He's a creator of all the universe. 
the, the Bible makes some crazy claims, right? And when I say crazy, I don't mean like loco crazy. I mean, I mean there, there are some powerful claims in the scripture that God created the world in six literal days by his spoken word. God said it and it came about and it came to be. Without ears and eyes and a heart of faith, that might be really hard to understand. But if we, and I've shared this before, but if we can believe that, everything else in the scripture is believable. If we believe that God spoke the world and the, the, you know everything around us that we can see and things that we can't see into existence, when we understand, guys, the, the, the whole uh, argument of, of um, evolution has just crumbled. It is, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment that that would even be taught. DNA. Just consider DNA. Just shreds. Shreds it. I know, I'm, I'm no scientist. You guys know that. But when I understand, when I hear that my DNA, there is nobody that has ever existed on this earth that has the same DNA structure that I do. And that DNA can be read from plucking out one of my brown or gray hairs. Right? Hopefully more brown still. I'm only 44. But that my DNA can be read from that. It, it, it just that it, there's, there is no way. The code, the written code that's within our body. We have a God so mighty, so strong, the marvelous things he's done. You know, that, that we would preach those by how we live, what we say, what we do, all those things would point to who he is. Verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. You know, that, that command is for everyone to break out in song. Rejoice and sing praise. Shout joyfully to him. Uh, just for who he is and what he's done. That should be a natural response. When we understand those things, right? Then then there's the, uh, the joy. Then there's the, I just want to sing. I want to say, you know, that'll get us past the point of, is somebody going to hear me? I don't care. I'm going to sing to God because I understand who he is and he's worthy of my praise, right? Verse 5, sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound, the sound of a song, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Uh, you guys probably know where I'm about to go with this, but the false teaching that says that musical instruments in today's worship uh, is, uh, is wrong and unbiblical uh, is just that. It is false teaching. And what I've seen most of all, the main argument I've heard from it, well, I don't see a guitar listed in the New Testament. I don't see cheeseburgers either, you know, right? And so there, it's just, it's the dumbest thing to think of, of, of these things. You know, if, if that's the main argument, uh, argument, okay, what about a microphone? Okay, powered things so the sound can get out. No, can't use that either. You see legalism? Do we see, okay, what freedom is in that, right? I'm pretty sure that if a megaphone existed, Peter or Paul, as they're preaching, they've got that thing there, and they're, uh, who else can hear? They, that full blast, you know, right on, right, just feedback, just waiting to come through right on the edge of it, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they would have. When it, saw, it says that they would gather together and they would sing songs, how do we know somebody didn't, hey, you know what, I'm going to grab my guitar. It's not like they're stopping people at the door. What, what do you got? Is that a harp? That's no longer, like, my rebuttal to it is, okay, where in the scripture is it forbidden? 
Okay, all I see is an endorsement for these things. But you see how people can twist the scriptures. They'll twist the scriptures. They'll say, uh, you know, drum. You can't say play drums, really, because I hear a lot about cymbals, and I hear a lot about you know trumpets and and those things. I mean, uh, think about it. the harp. I've heard uh, pastors say that uh, the harp. Uh, that, that actually, what's being described there could even be like a, what we would understand as a modern day guitar. Who cares? Right? If I'm if I'm making a joyful noise to the Lord with that, if I break out the recorder, right? I break back the fourth grade, right? You remember Mary had a little lamb and everybody's playing those things? You know, Mary had, have you ever thought of the lyrics of Mary had a little lamb? Whose fleece was white as snow, right? Who's Mary? Right? Just those songs. Anyways, I've heard Ken Graves sing that song as a worship song, and I've been there singing it. It's awesome, right? But uh, just consider, if anybody tells you, do you guys use instruments in your church? Is there a drum kit? Are there, are there guitars? Understand. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to bulldoze them at that point. I, I just, just You can lovingly say, where was the command that says you can't do that? It, it just There's somebody that came along and said, nope, nope, there's no mention of a harp. Oh, there are mention of trumpets in the New Testament, right? Kind of waiting for one of them, right? <laughs> that trumpet blast and gone, right? That's a that's an instrument. I don't know. It says right says in our what we were just reading uh, um, with the sound of a horn, you know, the trumpets uh, and the sound of a horn. So uh, you know, I, I just I I've, I've never seen anything in the New Testament from Peter, Paul, James, John, any of those guys that wrote. That said, don't even bother. You know, throw out your musical instruments. Can't use those to praise the Lord. Uh, no, in fact, the 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 Bible endorses it and, and commands it. Right? You know, use these instruments for the Lord. Can they be used for bad things? Yes. But could our voices be used for bad things? Yes. Right. So it's just foolish, guys. Uh, I say this because I've literally been asked by a brother uh, who attends uh, Calvary in Oriented uh, in Old Town. And he's like, my. I got a relative that told me that, you know, using instruments in churches is, is unbiblical. I'm like, I've turned to one, uh, Psalm 150. It's all listed. It, there's just a bunch of, right? you know, right? Uh, it, it's just, it, it's it's foolishness. So I'm going to get off my soapbox and we'll go continue. Verse 7. Let the sea roar and all its full. So people, instruments. Now he gets to creation and he says, let, this all, uh, let the sea roar in all its fullness. Uh, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. You know, if, if we see here, there's the sea, people, rivers, hills, all of creation pr uh, lifting a song of praise to the Creator, as they should. You know, they uh, it, isn't it weird that? Excuse me, that it's 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 um it's ingrained in us. I I know for me. That if I were to go, um, uh, you know, if I if I was a Christian when I was in high school, and I would uh, want to, uh, you know, go to I don't know talent show or whatever and play a worship song, be like, oh, here we go, you know, there there it would be taboo, right? You know, if that's even I know I don't know if that's an okay word to use or whatever, but it it would be considered like oh, well, you know, look at it, it, but we understand that we're going to. Um, you know, go through that type of ridicule in our lives. 
But isn't that really the ultimate uh, use for song and the use for praise would be to God rather than to anything else? When the scriptures are saying that all of creation is praising God, aren't we part of creation? You know, God created us also to be over, to manage creation. You know, he has put us over everything. We should be doing the same. So let, the, the joy, uh, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, right? Verse 9, for he is coming to judge the earth. Uh, with righteousness he shall judge the world and the people with equity. So this is speaking of a coming judgment that is expected. We're expecting this. We're looking forward to it, right? Uh, especially the Christian that understands uh, who God is, because when we can, you know, he is coming to judge the earth, that might strike terror in somebody. But for us that, that, that have a relationship with God, and this isn't like, hey, we're, you know, we're great and everybody else is bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. But once we understand what that means, that a righteous judge, that the righteous judge is going uh, to judge the world in righteousness, right? And the peoples with equity. With equity. Isn't that, you know, think of, uh, of the, the unrighteousness and think of the injustice uh, that we experience here on this earth. Or we, we, we hear of or we sometimes might even see, right? Oh, you know, we long. Uh, we were talking this morning in uh, Romans 8 where we're discussing the longing. The longing for something greater, right? The, the groaning. That creation is groaning. All, all, all groaning for the day where the Lord reigns, right? And we're, we're groaning for that, you know, that, that there's something greater in the Lord. Uh, so, you know, inside our, our spirits groan uh, and we're, we're longing for something. What are we longing for? This is the type of stuff that we're longing for, the, the righteous judgment of God and uh, his, his equitable uh, um, uh, judgment, right? You know, he's the righteous judge. He hates dishonesty. Um, you know, when, when you consider that the Lord speaks again, so we, one of the things the Lord hates, dishonest scales, right? So somebody who is, uh, and I've, I've, I've shared this joke with you guys before, right? Um, this was one thing that, that we used to do uh, as wrestlers uh, is um, uh, we, would, we would mess around with each other. Right, because in wrestling, it's all based upon you know whether you can compete in the next meet or the tournament. Was did you make weight? Okay, so what we do is we know the guy who's been struggling all week has been wearing you know a wetsuit and pra and I'm not joking, wetsuit, trash bags, all these things, pools of sweat in front of them. And then what are we doing when we get in the locker room? We're messing with the scales, right? And we're mess we're just we're just having a good time, you know, for our own entertainment. But what's it doing to them? You know, uh, when, when you realize that person goes into practice, I used to watch guys lose 10 to 14 pounds in a practice, all water weight, but they're sucking out all of this water from their body. That's a gallon of water. That's a lot, right? That's a lot of sweat, right? And you go up and they're like, I only lost four or five pounds. And they really lost, you know, because we're messing. There, there's a way to, you know, mess with the calibration on the scale. We did it to each other all the, or while they're standing there, uh, you know, on the thing, you'd stand close enough where you could just put your toes on it and just push down a little bit. And it, it, you know, and so we all got to the point where before we got on, you know, you zero out the scale. Okay. It's right in the middle. Nobody around me. Then you weigh in. Right. 
That's a joke with it, right? But it, those are those are messing with each other with a dishonest scale. But consider what a dishonest scale would be, right? Um, you know, okay, Maine lobster, right? Uh, lobster, it's an expensive uh, delicacy, you know. Uh, and if you consider, if you went and you were buying lobster by the pound, and somebody's got it messed with, and you're asking for a two-pound lobster, and you're getting a pound and a quarter, right? So you're paying double almost. For for you know uh, you know what you what you think you're getting you're paying a, a double for it or whatever you know just just consider that's a dishonest scale God hates those things because He's righteous and He He uh, He judges uh, with equity so uh, just understand it's the opposite of God's character it's sinfulness. And, and, and God operates uh, in, in equity. You know, his word commands us not to show partiality, right? Because he doesn't show partiality. So if we can't to the rich man, if they walk through here, I'm like, oh, hey, we could put up a new church building. And I'm walking over like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, oh, yeah, come down. We saved you the front seat. And, you know, some people here, dear person that, you know, works at a fast food restaurant or whatever here. And I'm saying, hey, you're going to go sit in the back, right? Hold on. We got a stool for you there. Right. That that's sin. I've sinned against that person. and I've sinned in my own heart. Right. We're not supposed to have that partiality. We're also not to show partiality in judgment. I'm not supposed to judge in favor of the poor man against the rich man and say, well, you're rich. You can you can do without that or vice versa. We're not supposed to do those things. But God, as the righteous judge, he judges the people with equity. So uh, that, that righteousness and equity are things that are so important and uh, very great qualities of the Lord and how he runs things and how he reigns and how he judges. Um, you know, may we conduct ourselves in the same way. Psalm 99, verse 1. <clears throat> Just need to. The Lord reigns. <clears throat> Let the people tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. Let the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord is great in Zion. And he is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. So where this starts off with the Lord reigns. Uh, so if he reigns, then the proper response uh, to a king that reigns, uh, that, uh, that reigns is uh, to, uh, to approach him in reverence and awe. Uh, that's that's how we should approach the Lord. Uh, it says He dwells bet between the cherubim, those angelic beings. Right when we're uh, in our uh, Sunday, uh, sorry, uh, Wednesday night study, we're talking about the 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 outlay, the the layout of the the tabernacle, and in the holy of holies is the Ark of the Covenant uh, with the mercy seat made of pure gold on top, and that mercy seat. Um, has uh, the two cherubim that are facing each other with the uh, the wings that um, that that touch together, right? So when it says he dwells between the cherubim, those are supposed to symbolize the presence of God, right? That 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 mercy seat. Isn't that awesome to think of that the word would be mercy mercy seat and not judgment seat, right? You know, it's not the judgment. None of us want to like that's a, to me that's not a trial. Like the judgment. Oh man. Because we're all we all stand guilty, the mercy seat, right? 
And when, when the, the blood of, of that sacrifice once a year on Yom Kippur, when the, the high priest could go behind the veil and offer, then it would be the blood sprinkled on, right? That, that, uh, so that, that sacrifice. So because of the blood sprinkled on that, the, the mercy of God is available, right? It was speaking to uh, what Jesus Christ uh, was going to do uh, in his life and in his ministry. It says, let the people tremble. Um <clears throat> You know, when you consider that, let the people tremble. And we, uh, why would we tremble? Because we're in the presence of something that's bigger and greater than ours, right? There are things on this earth that we, I've told you guys, we used to, uh, across the street uh, at the zoo, when they used to have uh, lions, and I remember talking with Will outside. He's like, oh, it's right around this time. And uh, all of a sudden, you start here dinner time, and you start hearing these things roar. They felt like they were right next to you, and you're like, Nyeh! and you want to get in your car and like block the door and start it and be ready to drive away. It's a creepy sound, and and yeah, that'll make you tremble. Imagine if you're standing right next to it, right? So where where it's talking about the trembling when we're in the presence of one that is greater than us. <clears throat> you know, we just need to be sure nobody's going to be giving God an earful when they're in His presence, right? Maybe we've said that back in our sinful day, or maybe we've heard that said, there is not going to be one person that is going to stand before the Lord and say, I'm not going to bow, because the scriptures declare every knee will bow and of every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So when when we see and we understand, you know, there isn't going to be one, oh yeah, you wait, you wait, we're going to have a conversation. It's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that way. No, it says, uh, let the earth be moved. He's great. Uh, he's high above uh, everyone. And, you know, it goes on in, in verses uh, two, uh, verses one and two there. And uh, when we understand his greatness, um, you know, the, the trembling that's, that, that is mentioned, you know, when you consider you know, how great he is and, and how high above everybody else he is, uh, even the demons believe how great he is. And James tells us in James 2 that they tremble. Even the demons believe in God and tremble. So why would somebody think that they're going to stand in God's presence and not do the same? It's not going to happen. You know, when we consider it's his name and his name alone is great and awesome. You know, where it says in verse 3, let them praise your great and awesome name. Uh, yep, we should because he is holy, right? Consider Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 5. It says, Oh, <clears throat> that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by their ear, nor has their eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. You know, consider the trembling that's mentioned there. And then in the end, it's like, yeah, we've sinned and we need to be saved, right? 
you know, there's the trembling of of of, of creation that's that's described in this uh, psalm, and then we look at at uh, the shaking that's happening, what's being described there, even in Isaiah 64, and and uh, then it says, you know, we we know that we're sinners. Uh, and in these ways, we continue. That's that's an indictment on the, their own selves. Like we unfortunately continue those things. We need to be saved. You know, and we can cry out to the Lord, his great and awesome name, for he is the holy one who can save. Right. He holy means pure. There's there's no sin in the Lord. Uh, so uh, he is the one that can save that. Uh, you know, I just understand that respect for God uh, and how we talk and how we live is a proper response when we're considering how powerful he is and who he is and that his name is holy. Verse 4, the king's strength also loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Again, uh, just like in Psalm 98, God loves justice. He established equity. You know, it says that he executed justice uh, and, and righteousness in Jacob, which means in Israel, uh, is what's being said there. You know, you add in the mercy and grace of God. You know, when, when, when we can see that God executes justice and righteousness together, when, when we look at if God judged us based on justice, we all stand condemned. But when we include uh, his, his righteousness in there, then you know, when we take on his righteousness, then we can stand. Outside of God's righteousness, we can't stand, right? We stand condemned. But when, when, we, uh, when we come to faith, and, and I, I, sorry, I have to look up uh, because the, the, the wording is, is escaping my mind. I told you it's Sunday night. Um, I just have to, uh, to look up um, Romans, uh, Romans 5, uh, verse 1, because it's not coming to mind at all. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Being justified by faith. By faith, by believing in Him, and that justified means uh, that that we uh, there there is righteousness put on our account because of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, so just just understand when when what we see here is that God executing justice and righteousness at the same time. For us to be able to stand before Him, we have to be able to stand in some sort of righteousness, and it's not our own; it's it's Christ's righteousness. And, and, and to consider that those things meet at the cross. When you consider justice, mercy, and grace, those, those things meet at the cross. Uh, it, you know, there, is, there was justice done, and then we can stand uh, because of the grace of God and his mercy in our lives because Christ died for us. You know, those things, you know, uh, um, I remember there was an old uh, God sword, um, Ken Graves and, and a bunch of the guys, uh, I think it was uh, Bob Sacaricha was, uh, yeah, I know he was in the band, there were some others, but there's a song called Justice, Mercy, and Grace. These these fit together. Uh, when, when we understand how they fit together, man, the song we're going to sing, right? Because there was justice that had to, had to uh, be carried out. But on the other side of that justice, there's mercy and grace for us because God became a man and died for us. You know, it, it's, it's an incredible thing. Um, so when, when we see here where it says the king's strength loves uh, justice, you have established equity, you have executed justice and righteousness in, in Jacob. 
man, we can look at that and understand a, a deeper dive on that. And, and it's, it's quite a, a wonderful thing to meditate on. Verse 5, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. You know, God is worthy of worship. Exalt him in song and in our daily walk. Uh, those two things, as we discussed, should match each other. Our, our actions should reflect what our words are saying. Right. So we already talked about, you know, um, uh, you know, how we're kind of breaking that 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 saying down, you know, uh, preach always. And if necessary, use words. It's when necessary. We are going to have to use words because we need to. But if those words aren't matching how we're conducting ourselves on the other side of that coin, uh, the, that our words and our actions need to meet together. Those two things uh, should come together. So when it says exalt the Lord and worship at his footstool uh, for he is holy, uh, you know, exalt him and, 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 and worship. Uh, that should be an act of, uh, of what we're saying and how we're praising him, but also how we're living our lives. That we do, the, we, we can actually carry out those things. Not just singing them here uh, during the, 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 the half hour or so uh, that worship lasts. It's actually living a life of worship also. So there's the praise that comes from our lips uh, and, uh, and uh, by the way we live, live our lives. It shouldn't be that lip service, right, <clears throat> where we can honor God with our, God with our lips uh, but our hearts are far from him. Those two things need to match. What we say, what we do, that they would be pleasing to the Lord and that they would that they would be a, a testimony to those around us that we're worshiping God and that we are his sons and daughters. Those two things should be evident because uh, it's very sad, right, when you've heard um, – uh, maybe heard about you, and, and maybe it's true or not. I don't know. Uh, you know, at one point, hopefully not tonight, right? Uh, about that in our lives, but it shouldn't be a shock to people that we attend church because you know when we say, "Oh, that person goes to church," um, because then there's like, "Wait a minute, that person's you know they'll put you under the the umbrella of religious, right? That that you go to church and." Um, uh, of course, we're going to say, well, yeah, I do attend church because I have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. You know, he changed my life and we can explain those things. But but if if we, we can't have our speech uh, betraying us. Right. And we can't betray our speech either. So those two things have to come together. And, and how we live uh, should be preaching uh, the word of God uh, by how we're living and, and what we're saying. Why? Because he's holy. And because a holy God made the way for sinners to be able to come to him, and, and we can be considered holy. You ever thought of that? that? That we are considered holy because of the blood of Christ. That'll, <laughs> you guys ever thought of that? Seriously. If we stand in the righteousness of Christ, we stand in the, in the holiness of Christ. That's an amazing thing to consider. Because it's a little bit easier to go, yeah, I was a sinner. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately, you know, I'm, I'm still human, so I, I'm still a sinner. But to understand when we've taken on uh, that relationship with, with Christ and what he's done, then, uh, th then Christ's holiness is, 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 is what's covering us. And, and uh, we, we are covered in Christ's holiness. Uh, wow. <laughs> Meditate on that, right? <clears throat> Verse 6, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. And Samuel was among those uh, who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in a, in a uh, cloudy pillar. Uh, they kept his testimonies and the ordinance he gave them. 
so these great servants of God, right? Moses was the one that was uh, was uh, used by God to stand in front of the pharaohs and everything. And because he was afraid to speak, Aaron was the one speaking, right? Because uh, Moses is sitting there arguing with the Lord saying, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not eloquent of speech in those things, right? But God used Moses as the leader of Israel. Uh, and Moses failed. Moses misrepresented the Lord, struck the rock out of out of uh, frustration, and cost himself being able to go into the promised land. He got to see it. God let him see it, but he couldn't enter into it. Right? I guarantee you, Moses is not disappointed in life. Right? And and uh, where he's in the presence of the Lord right now, he's like, man, I didn't get to go into Israel. You know, that's that. It's not bugging him anymore. And we don't see Moses arguing with the Lord. You know, he understood. I misrepresented you. That I, I understand what that means when I'm the leader of the nation, right? Aaron himself, what did Aaron do? He molded a golden calf and led the people into idolatry. These aren't perfect people. They're not. But they're being listed here as people that God heard them when they called to him. And when they called upon his name, it says they called him and he answered them. He spoke to them in a cloudy pillar. Uh, they kept his testimonies and the ordinance uh, he gave them. So, they're, uh, yes, they failed at times, but their overall lives were, were spent in serving the Lord. So uh, take that as a, as a means of, oh, you know what? The Lord restores. The, the Lord does forgive, and, and, he, and he helps us, and he saves us, right? Yet God spoke to them. They, they had their failures, yet God spoke to them. Think of how God used Samuel. Man, he's a prophet. And you'd think, okay, he's a prophet, meek, mild guy. Nope, went and hacked a guy to pieces, right? I didn't mean to get into like, you know, rated, you know, mature with that, right? You know, that's a heavy thing to think of, but but that's what he was supposed to do. You know, it, it wasn't carried out, so who, who comes up and does it? The prophet comes up and hacks him to pieces. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in a cloudy pillar. We've been studying the cloud, right? The, the presence of the Lord uh, in our uh, son, uh, Wednesday evening study. I keep doing that. Verse 8, you answered them, O Lord, our God. You uh, were to them God who forgives, though you took vengeance on their deeds. So we saw, we, we would see the failures of, of Israel and they would reap what they would sow, right? Unfortunately, they would do something and they would experience a God's correction, right? Whom God loves, he chastens, right? Just like any good father or mother or aunt, uncle, grandparent, whatever, is going to keep that kid in check because they love them. If we don't correct them, then we hate them, the scriptures say. You're not showing love to them if you're not correcting them because they're going to carry on in something that's going to hurt them or even kill them. Right? You see the kid grabbing, you know, the knife, and you've told them, don't ever do that again. They're like, I want to jam this right into uh, the outlet. That's when they get the butt whooping. And, and they're, whoa, you know, I know for me, I can tell you, I, I don't remember a lot of spankings. Um, you know, I, I did see other siblings get them, and I learned a lot from them. So I'm like, and that hurts, and I don't want those, right? And uh, so it did, I don't remember a lot of butt spankings, right? And I've had to deliver a few. And, uh, you know, my kids, don't. they know that we love them. Right. You know, they haven't had spankings for at least a week. No, just kidding. No, you guys know my kids are, are older and, and uh, it's been a very, very long time, you know, for our youngest, you know, and I, I've already you know embarrassed her uh, in, uh, in, in, in that. But uh, they knew and we would it wasn't just a, out of it. There were times where you want to, you know, just swat. 
we had to get our anger in check, right? And, and explain to them, you're getting this spanking or you got this spanking and you know why, right? Because that's not how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. You give them a hug, I love you, and you're crying, they're crying, and 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 and, and then you after a few minutes you just say, All right, what are we gonna do? Let's go play, let's go do whatever. But you can't hit your sister with a I don't know, die cast, whatever, right? You, you know, those are things, right? Th those things need to be taken out of our lives. So the Lord, uh, yes, he forgives, but but uh, there are, are times where we've done things that need. Uh, so, you know, if you consider, um, and I've shared this before, but we've had people come here and share their testimony at Wave Escape. Uh, one young man who I believe is, is still in a federal prison right now. I uh, came and shared his story. Hopefully he's getting out sometime soon. I, he was hoping it would be right around this time. Uh, shared his story. And he's like, hey, you know, he got caught uh, dealing drugs. And he's like, you know what? I deserve this. He, just, he knew. He didn't want to do it, but he understood that, hey, it, that I could be in jail a lot longer. And he's like, you know, God's mercy is making this. He doesn't want to be away from his family. It's a hardship for them. And I pray for them a lot. I have, I have reminders on my phone reminding me to pray for them. Right? And, 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 but he understands that this, this is a, a proper uh, correction. It's even a gracious correction. But that gracious correction is, is needed in our lives. You know, when we, when we consider, you know, where it says, you answered them, oh, Oh, Lord, our God, you were to them God who forgives, though you took vengeance on their deeds. We just, uh, you know, we when when we uh, when we understand uh, who God is and and uh, just that that when he uh, corrects us, he does it in a very uh, loving manner. You know, when we consider what God calls us to, he calls us uh, to prayer and obedience. Right. We uh, these there are things that, you know, how are we going to get to the point where we're, our deeds aren't uh, going to be needing to be uh, corrected? Right. There's the word of God in prayer. When we put those two things together in our lives. Right. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, will you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You know, when we consider, OK, how do I abide in the Lord? By looking into his word, when I understand his word, then I submit my will to it and I abide in Christ and I follow him and I abide by his words and he is going to give me godly desires that I'm going to ask for and he's going to take care of those things. Acts chapter 6 verse 4 says, but we will give ourselves continually to uh, prayer and to the ministry of the word. So when we consider how do we live a life that, that is uh, going to please God where we don't have to worry about these types of deeds. It's this is how we carry. This is how we live our lives, right? You know, just talking uh, to Mark before the service, and, and Mark is just explaining, uh, you know, him him praying to the Lord and being in the Word and, and researching those things. That's how we get stronger. That's how we know more about the Lord. That's how we grow in our faith, and that's how we we learn. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. This this is where God's speaking to this in my life. And this is where he's going to help me have victory here. This is where he's going to um, you know, give me strength here or whatever. That's that's how we're going to grow. So we don't get into this spot where we have to worry about, oh, man, you know, we're going to deal with the deeds. You know, if we want those taken away. Another another thing to consider is uh, two things that should come together are prayer and obedience. You know, these things uh, should should come together. Uh, in our lives. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. 
You know, so so we have to say, you know, how do I want to live my life? Do I want to live my life so that I have to worry about, you know, the, the consequences of my actions? Or do I just want to live in the spirit? Walk Right. We've talked about that several times in the past two weeks. Do I want to live in the spirit and by the power of the spirit and experience life and peace? Or do I want to live um, in the flesh? And what do we have in the flesh? Death. Right. Romans 8 is telling us that. Right uh, in Romans seven and eight, you compare, you com uh, you put those two things together, and we're going to understand. You know, it's much much better to live that life of of walking with the Lord and experiencing, as we're walking in the Spirit, the life and the peace uh, that that God has to offer us. It says here, God who forgives. Right, uh, you know, He still took vengeance, as 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 we talked about, a reaping and sowing and. Uh, they were forgiven, but sometimes we have to face the music. So, um, but he's still forgiving uh, in that we're uh, you know allowed to live, and and uh, um, and we see that the Lord desires for sinners to repent. You know, when you consider uh, recently we were studying, and our study took us to um, we were studying in. Um, it was in Exodus, and uh, it was talking about generational curses. And we went all the way to Ezekiel 18 to understand it better, that they don't exist, that God is not going to hold the son accountable for what the father did, and he's not going to hold the father accountable for what the son does. They're each accountable to themselves. And it goes on in, in, in Ezekiel 18 for God saying he desires for the sinner to repent. He doesn't want to have to judge those things. So we can, we can come to God and understand he is God that forgives. Uh, and, uh, but like we've, we've talked about, so he desires for sinners to repent. So these men that were listed, uh, they weren't perfect, but God in his mercy forgave them. But overall, uh, they kept his testimonies in his words, it says, and God used them, uh, and led them as they led Israel. So, uh, consider how God used them, uh, even though they weren't perfect. But, uh, when we, when we look at these, uh, these examples that were given to us, and we understand uh, how God uh, would would still use them and bless them, and and the overall uh, uh, account of their lives uh, says that they kept His testimonies and ordinance that He gave them. You know, if you want something on your gravestone, that's that's kind of the good one of the good ones there, saying, "Hey, this this person followed the Lord and and trusted in Him." We'll wrap this up here for the evening. Here in verse nine it says. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Uh, worship him, for the Lord our God is holy, right? That holy, that unparalleled majesty when you're trying to you know, understand what holiness is. Perfection, we've talked about this uh, also. Uh, that unparalleled majesty and perfection. So this, un, this, this one that has unparalleled majesty and perfection, he still loves us. And he made a way for us to be able to come to him. Uh, there's our reason for exalting the Lord and worshiping him. Uh, at, you know, at his his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy, right? You know, we when we uh, we understand that he made the way not only uh, you know for us to know him as God, but uh, to come to him and, and be forgiven of our sins. Uh, you know, he'll then reside uh, in our hearts and, and build us. You know, that's what he wants to do. Take the broken sinner, be our God. We will be his sons and daughters. He wants to forgive us and then build us, bring us to the point where, okay, you no longer live here. Let's grow in your faith. Let me get all the junk out of your life and let you live in the freedom of uh, where you're not in bondage to that sin anymore. And let me change you into the image of my son, right? 
And, and when we understand what God does in our lives, that sanctification process, we're instantly sanctified, right? The three-part process I've, I've, I've explained several times, but, you know, we're instantly sanctified uh, in, in Christ, right? Or instantly we come to that point where we're washed clean by Christ, right? And then there's the, the purification, that sanctification process that happens as we grow in the Lord, where God just keeps taking out those things out of our lives, Right. And we get to a point where we're being molded into Christ's image. Right. And then someday, once we're in, in heaven with him, that then we're perfect and we're complete. We're we're sanctified in him for that final sanctification. Right. That growing uh, in, uh, you know, that the Lord wants to strengthen us. He wants to free us. He wants to fill us with joy, peace and life. That's that's what God wants us to experience his joy, his presence in our life and the freedom that we have in him. Someday, because of his love. Grace and mercy, uh, we will be with him. That's a great reason to be praising, right? We may not feel like it when we come to church sometimes. We have to force our hands to go up. But, man, once we get into that heart of worship and, and we understand who he is and what he's done, you know, lift our hearts, lift our hands and our voices to him, uh, you know, and we reflect on who he is and what he's done, you know, we can't but praise, right? Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your word. Thankful for the encouragements, Lord. Thank you for who you are. And, and, and the mighty works that you do. Lord, help us to proclaim these things, what you've done in our lives, to those around us. Help us to live in the victory that you give us, to walk in the Spirit, to experience life and peace, no longer returning to the flesh, which leads to death. We thank you that we can, these two verses are about singing about the, your greatness, your mercy your love, your righteousness, your justice. Oh, we long for all of these things here on this earth, and we look forward to them in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys. Have a